Now, for those of you who are joining with us for the first time, joining with us online for the first time, or just visiting with some family today, it is great to, uh, to have you here. Um, and what we're doing tonight, we're continuing in a series um, that we've been going through over the past little while here together as a church, where we've been looking at some of the lyrics of the songs that might be on your Christmas playlist. It's that playlist of songs, the Christmas playlist, that you're able to play just for one month every single year. It's only in December that there's some of these songs that you're able to play, and we're almost getting to that point where you can't play your Christmas playlist anymore. Now, as we've been going through this series over the past little while, looking at the different songs, some of the different songs on our Christmas playlist, some of you might be thinking, why do we really need to look at the lyrics of the songs on our Christmas playlist? I mean, Christmas songs they're all pretty similar, really. They're all about hope and joy and peace on earth. They're really happy songs that help us get into the Christmas spirit. But I would say that some of the lyrics of the songs that we sing, they don't really match up with this Christmas spirit of, uh, of hope, joy and peace on earth. Let me give you an example of one of these songs. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He will find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. I picture this song with these lyrics being played in a minor key with strings and mellow tones and the lyrics, they don't really match the tune. I was actually going to play, I found a version online of this song in a minor key and it scared me so much I wasn't going to play it for you uh, here tonight. Now kids, you don't have to worry at all. Santa is not scary at all. In fact, Santa is a really lovely guy. I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Santa at our Carol's Spectacular, and I can honestly say that Santa is one of the best guys I've ever spent time with. Like this song, there are many Christmas songs where the lyrics might have a bit of a different meaning and a different foundation than we might know about. And yeah, if you are joining with us and visiting for the first time, this is what we've been doing over the past little while. We've been looking at some of these uh, lyrics of these songs and going through this series called Christmas playlist. And some of these well-known carols that we've gone through, we've gone through, O Holy Night, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But tonight, on this Christmas Eve, the song that we're going to be looking at is a different sort of song. And the reason that this song that we're going to be looking at is different is because the song that we're looking at is not about Christmas at all. 
The song that we're looking at tonight was not written about the first coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago at Christmas, but it was in fact written about the future second coming of Jesus, which is yet to come. Now, some of you already might have a bit of an idea of the song that we're going to be speaking about tonight, so I want to give you the opportunity, whisper in the person's ear next to you what song you think we might be talking about tonight. What song do you think we might be talking about? It's not about the first coming of Jesus, it's about the second coming of Jesus. <coughs> Quick hint, by the way, it's not Jingle Bells. <laughs> now, the writer of this song that we are going to be uh, looking at, he didn't write this song intending for it to be sung at Christmas time, and yet... The song that we're going to be speaking about has become one of the most recognised and sung uh, songs around Christmas um, around the world, and it has been that case for about the past 300 years. In the past, in the uh, in the early 1700s, um, there was a guy called Isaac Watts who was challenging the norms of what would happen within the church, particularly with what people were singing at that time. In the early 1700s, people were singing songs from the Psalms, almost verbatim uh, what they would see in the Psalms, but they were also singing it in the original language, which was Hebrew. This was... Um, this was uh, concerning for Watts because he saw all of these people singing these songs and not knowing what they were singing. There was no emotion when they were singing these songs about Jesus. And so what Isaac Watts began to do was he began to write poems and songs based on biblical truths, but he would use language that resonated with the everyday people there at the time. And so in 1719, this guy, Isaac Watts, he published a book of songs in the common language for people to sing. And these songs were based off, uh, each of these songs was based off uh, different psalms. And then he connected each of these psalms with truths about Jesus. And the song that he wrote in 1719 that we still sing today is the song, Joy to the World. So who got the song right? Who knew that we were talking about Joy to the World? Okay, a few of you. I'm guessing all of you checked the weekly email this week and you knew which, uh, which song we were going to be speaking about. It's the cheat version right there. It's also the words right over there in the corner if you, uh, if you didn't get that. This very well-known song that we sing at Christmas time is all about Jesus who is coming again. And so with that in mind, with that framework that this song was written about Jesus' second coming, let's read the words of this song through that lens. I won't read it as grumpy as I did with, the, uh, with Santa Claus's coming to town. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Just really quickly, notice that he doesn't say the Lord has come, but the Lord is coming. He is coming again. Let, every, uh, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Saviour reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. <laughs> he rules the world with truth 
and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Now, because this song that we're looking at, Joy to the World, wasn't written about Jesus first coming 2,000 years ago, does that mean our first instinct about this should be to get rid of it off our Christmas playlist? Should we stop singing Joy to the World at Christmas time, ban it at that time, and only sing it for the other 11 months of the year? Of course we shouldn't do that, because there is still so much within this song that applies to Jesus' first coming 2,000 years ago. When the angel came at Christmas time, he said to the shepherds in the field, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so Jesus came 2,000 years ago to bring joy to this world. Heaven and nature sang when Jesus came. Jesus, the same words about him when he came at the uh, the first time, and the words in this song, Jesus is righteous and loving, and all creation shouts of his goodness. He brought joy 2,000 years ago. He still brings joy today. And when he comes for the second time in the future, our joy will be made complete. There will be an abundance of joy. But when I look at songs like this, I sometimes think about what do I honestly have to be joyful for? Why do I sing songs like joy to the world at Christmas time. Now, usually when I go and ask someone how they're going in life, as Australians, we typically give one of three different answers. The most common response when I ask someone how they're going, busy. That is the most common response. Then, once again, as good Australians, if we're going really well in our life, the response will be, I'm going pretty good. And then if things are going awful in our life, we'll say, I'm going okay. (laughs) The response is never, I'm feeling joyful. I'm filled with joy at the moment. Even when I've been asking people how they're feeling about the Christmas season, the response I often get from people is, I just can't wait for Christmas to be over. Some of you might be feeling that way tonight. This is not exactly a response of joy. A lack of joy is something that many of us experience at different times in our life. Even as a wider community, there is a lack of joy uh, for, for many of us. 44% of Australians aged 18 to 65 have had issues with mental health during their lifetime. 21% of Australians... Uh, have experienced issues with mental health just over these past 12 months. So a significant amount of people in the world today and a significant amount of people in this room right now are struggling to have a sense of joy in their life. And then we sing songs like Joy to the World. So what do we have to be joyful about? There must be something 
for us to be joyful about. Because Isaac Watts, the writer of this song, he wrote this song because he saw everyone around him, he saw how joyless they were when they spoke about God and when they sung to God, and it was his hope that they would be filled with the joy that he knew they were able to have in, uh, in Jesus. Firstly, being joyful, it's not the same as being cheerful. So having a smile on your face, having good energy, walking around and looking like things are happy, it doesn't mean that you are filled with joy. Having everything you could possibly want in your life doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be joyful. In fact, Jesus taught that you can be uh, joyful, irrelevant of your physical circumstances and what's going on around you. So, how did Jesus bring joy at Christmas and how does He bring joy for all of us right now? What was it that stirred Isaac Watt's heart so much that he chose to write this song, Joy to the World? This song, Joy to the World, it's founded on uh, one of the Psalms, Psalm 98, and this Psalm expresses the kind of joy that we are able to have when we come into relationship with Jesus. And the first reason, the first thing that we have to be joyful about (coughs) that we see in this psalm is that Jesus offers salvation to you. Jesus offers salvation for us all. In Psalm 98, verses 1 to 3, which Joy to the World is based on, it says, "'Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvellous things.'" His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So, three times here, in just three verses, salvation is mentioned as a reason for us to be filled with joy. Now, if you're new to church language, um, and some of this language is a little bit strange for you, salvation means to save. It means uh, deliverance from danger or suffering. To save is to deliver or protect. The word carries the idea of victory or health or preservation. So, experiencing salvation is to be delivered out of something. It's to be rescued and protected and given victory over something. And what is this thing that we are rescued from? What are we saved from? We're saved from the effects of sin. This is spoken about over and over again throughout the New Testament. What is this, what do we mean when we talk about sin? Right from the beginning of all Scripture, God had a plan for every single one of us, and it was a good plan. He set it out for us, but every single one of us have chosen to veer off this plan. We've turned away from God and gone our own way. We've diverted off that plan to do our own thing, and this is what sin is. And by turning away from the plan of God, we've also turned away from God Himself. And because of this, we have now had a broken relationship with God. But when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He took the sin of all of us on His shoulders on the cross, and now we can be rescued and protected from the effects of sin, which is distance from God, a broken relationship with God. 
That means that every wrong thought, word, or action doesn't need to hold you back anymore. You are offered salvation, rescuing. And how do you accept salvation? Just like the first verse of this song says, you receive it. You receive the King. You make room in your heart for Jesus. You receive salvation. It's a gift. It's the best gift you can receive this Christmas. Still, one of the biggest misconceptions about church and Christianity and salvation is that salvation is somehow achieved through doing a certain number of right and good things within our life. But salvation is not about what you do externally, but who you receive internally. So have you received Jesus? Because that is the thing that brings salvation. If we have been given the opportunity to receive salvation, this is something that we should be joyful about. So we receive salvation and then we are given relationship with God. But the joy that we experience through salvation doesn't just stop at salvation, but the relationship that we have with God is an ongoing one of renewed joy in our life. In Psalm 98, verses 4 to 6, the psalm continues, and we see uh, the writer of this psalm bursting with joy because of his relationship with God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and a blast from the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Sarah, my wife, and I, we are are currently expecting our our first child, and we're really holding out that it will not come at Christmas, okay? Appreciate your your press. (laughs) This is the last time that I'm going to be uh, be preaching before the the baby comes, Um, and I've been told regularly that I will feel a love for this child most of the time anyway, like I've never experienced for any other person before. For those of you who are parents in the room, you might be able to vouch for that. (laughs) So I am expectant that there will be an affection and a love that I will have for this child like I have never experienced uh, before. Let's compare this to another relationship with some other creatures that I, that I also live with. When I arrive home every single afternoon, I walk up the stairs and I'm greeted by two Labradoodles. And they smile at me, they jump around excited that I am home. Now these two little doggies, they bring me a huge amount of joy But I am anticipating, and I hope I'm right here, that the joy that these dogs give me won't compare to the joy that I will experience in the future with my child. The significance of joy in a relationship is equal to the significance of that relationship to you. And so if there is a God who genuinely loves you an infinite amount and genuinely came to this earth to rescue you 
and make things right with you. He was willing to die for you. That should be something that fills you with great joy. The importance of that relationship can't be overstated. So have you experienced this kind of joy before? A joy where you can't stop expressing your love towards God. Because that's the sort of joy that we can all have through relationship with Jesus. And that's why in this song, in the end of the second verse, it says again and again, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat joy, 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 joy. It should be central to our relationship with God. And so this is the joy that we can have right now in this life. But there will also be a day when our joy will be made even more real, even more abundant. It will be made complete because Jesus is going to come again. And when he does, he is going to make everything right. Psalm 98, 7 and 9, it continues. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Over the past three or so years, there have been a lot of troubling headlines that we've all seen on our TV screens. But for me personally, there was one news story over the past 12 or so months that impacted me in my heart more so than any other. And that was when... Uh, when I saw the Taliban coming and taking back uh, over control of, of Afghanistan. And the reason that this moved me on the inside so much was because I was just so shocked with some of the images that I saw of people fighting to get out of this country. They were climbing over walls, terrified of the future that they saw in store, uh, saw in store for themselves. I was shocked by this. Now, when... Events like this happen, and events like the past few years happen. Who are we going to look to? Who are we going to look to to make things right? Politicians? Monarchs? Family? Friends? No one on this earth is going to be able to make any of this right. But Jesus promises that one day he's coming again. And when he does come again everything will be made right. You see, knowing Jesus, it doesn't mean that when you die, you will get a set of wings, you will become an angel, you will fly up to heaven and live on clouds for the rest of, uh, of eternity. Rather, what's happening is Jesus is coming back to earth and he is going to bring heaven and earth together and he is going to make everything right and we're going to be raised up anew and in this new heavens and new earth there will be no more political bickering there'll be no more interest rate rises there'll be no more war in the ukraine there'll be no more fighting in the middle east there'll be no more death no more sickness no more broken relationships there was only be joy so do we have something to be joyful about at christmas of course we do 
We have so much to be joyful about at Christmas because of what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus continues to do. And so what we're going to do right now, we're going to, I'm going to invite the team to come on up. <coughs> and we're just going to sing. We're going to sing this song, Joy to the World Together. We're going to remember the, uh, our wonderful Jesus who brings salvation to the world, who brings joy in relationship with him and who has also given us this hope that one day he will come again and make everything right. We can have joy in Jesus because of what he has done 2,000 years ago, what's he, what he's doing right now, but also what he will do in the future. Can you just stand with me and let's pray together. And so, King Jesus, we thank you for coming as a baby 2,000 years ago. And yet we acknowledge that even though you came as a baby, you were still king. You were still the author of creation. You were still the one who is deserving all of the praise and all of the glory. And we thank you, King Jesus, for what you have done. Thank you for offering us salvation thank you for giving us relationship and joy in knowing you and we look forward to that day King Jesus when you will come again and make everything right so give us joy right now give us joy this Christmas as we reflect on what you have done give us joy right now as we sing to you great God we thank you so much we thank you for the joy that you bring in Jesus name